You're listening to Manufactured with Kim von der Weert, and this is a podcast about sustainability and the making of fashion. Join me every week in conversation with the people who manufacture what we wear. Welcome back, dearest listeners. We wrapped season three in June 2021, just about a year after launching the show. I can hardly believe it. It feels like yesterday and a lifetime ago at the same time. Given our one-year anniversary, this summer felt like the right time to hit pause, reflect, and think more deeply about how we want to take the show forward. I'll spare you most, but not all, of the sappy introspective details and try to jump right to the outcome and changes you can expect over the coming months. First, the podcast is a passion project and a labor of love. And for me, it's something that I do because I think there's a need to promote and represent supplier perspectives on sustainable fashion, and because there's a need to create spaces for connection and a different kind of conversation and dialogue across the supply chain. We've been really fortunate to work with some great partners, shout out to GIZ Fabric and Transformers Foundation, to have really amazing guests who have been so generous with their time and their stories, and to grow a dedicated listener base fairly organically that sometimes opts to support us financially through monthly Patreon donations. More on that on our website, www.manufacturedpodcast.com, but I hope it goes without saying that we're so, so grateful. And although the cumulative sum of all of this means that we've been able to eke out a little bit of a living making the show, both Jesse and I rely on other consulting work and other projects to sustain ourselves financially. This is hard because... The reality is that each episode probably takes us 15 or more hours to make. Yep, all the planning, editing, and even IT is done in-house by us. At the same time, some of the feedback we've gotten from you, from our listeners, is that we've put out so much content that it's hard to keep up. And, on a related but unrelated note, I should also disclose that I'm seven months pregnant. So it's with all of this in mind that we have made the decision to release the show bi-weekly instead of weekly. And I ask for your patience if things change as we plot along, because there's a lot going to be happening in the coming months that maybe I can't anticipate for. Which brings me to my second and the most major change. Jesse, my dear friend, co-host, and co-founder, We'll be taking a step back from the show. Fear not, she's not disappearing totally, and we'll still be part of the show in a couple of different ways, and more on that in a minute. Her reasons for this decision are both practical and philosophical, but she'll tell you about it herself in a moment. So before I hand over to her, just a couple more announcements. First, luckily for you and for me, Jesse will still join me as a co-host for a couple of episodes this season. And also lucky for you and for me, a couple of other episodes where she's not my co-host will feature special guest co-hosts, all of whom have extensive experience working in manufacturing. There are people who are very near and dear to me and whose expertise and point of view I really value and have learned a lot from. So I'm really excited to have them be part of the show in this capacity and for you to quote-unquote meet them. 
Last but not least, we are making some changes to the format. We're still going to do some interviews resembling past episodes, but I wanted this season to focus more on dialogue and connection. I've met so many extraordinary people through this show, and it got me thinking. What if we could bring them together in unexpected ways for a different kind of conversation? Think suppliers talk to an ESG investor, or suppliers talk to a labor rights activist, and beyond. On that note, I'm going to hand things over to Jesse. After munching my thoughts for quite a few weeks, I made the decision to step back from co-hosting Manufactured. It's never an easy decision, but I don't see it as negative news. On the contrary, I see it as something rather exciting. As a co-founder of Manufactured, I will probably get involved into the production of some episodes in the coming season. Or joined complication in various possible forms. This part is left for both Kim and me to explore and define. I don't have a clear idea yet, but I'm quite excited about it. So, why do I decide to take a break from being a co-host? And what makes me think it's worth to share it with you? To start with, I had some difficulties when creating contents for manufactured podcast. I don't think it's just me having those difficulties. I believe the difficulties are widely shared by many suppliers and sustainability advocates from production countries. Before 2017, I spent most of my time living and working in China. I had various jobs in the different fields of the garment industry. I worked as a CEO assistant in a third-party inspection company whose clients are fashion brands. I shared part of this experience in episode one. I also worked as merchandising manager for a group of French brands. Part of this experience I shared in episode two. In 2017, I moved to Cambodia and worked as product development manager for a factory. That is where I met Kim. When I worked in the garment industry, I often felt value of suppliers' viewpoints didn't get enough recognition. Working on manufactured podcast just filled this need. We interview industry insiders, shed light on stories rarely heard before, and we try to make the values shine for everyone. That is where I had difficulties. To explain this, I will tell you a story of mine. That was around 2008, I think, when I worked as merchandising manager for brands. The designers and the buyers were located in France. The merchandising team were in China, but we all belonged to the same company. So one day, as planned, we visited a garment factory in Zhejiang Province to have a regular check on their production. When we walked into the village, I noticed some women sitting in front of a house, having sort of shirts on their laps, and they were hand stitching some beads to the shirts. They were around fifty to sixty years old, chatting and smiling while they were hand stitching. Our supplier noticed my interest. He explained to me that another factory outsourced hand stitch work to those women, and for him, outsourcing in this case is totally reasonable and acceptable. I was surprised by his frankness and the trust he gave to us, 
knowing outsourcing or subcontracting was and still is clearly mentioned in the brand's code of conduct as forbidden. To understand his view that outsourcing in this case is reasonable and acceptable, we need to start from fashion design. The artwork of beads and sequins decides how they are organized and stitched to a close. Sometimes the stitch can be done by machines. Sometimes it can only be done by hand stitch. The sewing machine operators in a garment factory don't like hand stitch work. It takes longer time, reduces the number of pieces they can finish per day, and eventually reduces their income. They would complain to the supervisors if forcing the work on them. The factory management also don't want to put the hand stitch work into the production line because it takes longer time. Slows down the whole process and eventually increase operational cost, especially if those orders are sort of experimental, means they are not regular orders placed regularly. And hand stitch requires skills. Even in a garment factory, not everyone is qualified for sewing. If they are, they would be sewing machine operators already. So subcontracting the hand stitch work to someone out of the factory or to another small workshop. Becomes a good option to relax both workers and the management. Workers would feel their income secured. The management have less concerns of the operational cost. The villagers are happy to take the hand stitch work to make some extra money without traveling a few kilometers or thousands of kilometers away. Zhejiang Province is on the southeast coast of China. Southeast coast is the most developed area of China. The villagers are in a much more relaxed situation comparing to villagers in some other provinces. I mean, no one would take the hand stitch work if the price is too low. The villagers have no reason to force themselves, and the factory management have no leverage to do so. On the contrary, they have motivations to give fair prices to strengthen the connection between factories and the community, or to increase their social capital in the local community. I was excited when the supplier shared his view. He helped me to see elements I've never noticed before, and helped me to say how those elements work together to impact the decisions factory management would make. However, outsourcing is not allowed in the code of conduct. If the story was about our orders and our supplier, could I have convinced our buyers that outsourcing in this case was reasonable? No, I don't think so. Even I can rebuild the whole context like what I did just now. I would fail to prove the value can fit to our code of conduct. A brand's code of conduct are detailed standards to which it holds its suppliers accountable. It's top down. It's a standard to all its suppliers. Putting my story in another province of China, or in the same province but another village. We could have bigger risks of quality defects or workers' rights abuse. I can prove the value of the story, but I can't make the value fit in the framework of a top-down standardized code of conduct. Talking about the story, for me, it shows workers are not that passive; they know what they want. In their limited resources, they express their opinions. It shows sometimes. The factory management and the workers share the same interest. 
it shows the social fabric in a specific location have a great power to regulate suppliers' practice. These localologies can be very useful for brands to manage the risks in purchasing practice in terms of quality and social responsibility, especially knowing brands are often in one country and the production happens in another country. But in reality, those localologies often remain unknown. It's understandable. If a local team needs to justify and back up what they say every time, and to prove the value can be fit in a top-down solution, the burden of proof can quickly kill the motivation and mute their voices. I too share this burden of proof, especially when I try to challenge the viewpoints from some established narratives. For instance, workers' rights. Many posts, articles, slogans, and descriptions painted workers as a sort of passive stakeholder waiting to be empowered and to be told what's good for them. Yes, workers have very limited resources, but they are not passive. They use what they have to fight for what they can get. Workers know what they want. They also have their own judgment of good factories and bad factories. The mistake is to picture workers as a single-fisted stakeholder. They are as complicated as suppliers and brands. I learned all this from my experiences of working in the garment industry. And it's funny that us, people from production countries, need to prove our experiences are reliable knowledges in terms of workers' rights and environmental issues. It's never the other way around for some established narratives. What is count as knowledge? Kim asked the question. Individual experience is knowledge. This is her answer. I totally agree, but the burden of proof falls on me and on Kim too. And it's not an imagined burden. Don't ask me to prove it's not imagined. Asking me to prove it just shows the power is asymmetrical in the system. Today, I live in Cambodia. When I look around, I see so many production countries in the garment industry. China, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, Bangladesh, India. This is just a part of Asia. Thinking about Africa. Thinking about South America. The list of production countries can be so long. We have so many garment factories in so many production countries. Their knowing-how is valuable and reliable knowledge to deal with the sustainability challenges we have today. I hope my episode today can bring your interest and attention to develop access to local experiences and develop attention to recognize and appreciate the value of local knowledge. See the value and promote it. It will greatly enrich the solutions to the challenges we face today. As for me, if my previous work taught me to recognize the value of suppliers' voices and led me to manufacture the podcast, being a co-host of Manufactured Podcast led me to the next question. How to showcase the value of local knowledge in a form so that they will gain wider recognition and understanding? I don't know. But I'm happy to take some time to explore and experiment. So, looking forward to exchanging news and sharing thoughts with Kim and with you too over a manufactured podcast in future. Thank you.
Jesse, thank you for sharing. And while I'm sorry to see you go as my regular co-host, I'm very much looking forward to the multitude of ways that you'll continue to be involved in the show and its mission. On that note, thank you for tuning in and be sure to check out the first episode of season four, A Conversation with Dr. Divya Gioti, out tomorrow, where she shares the results of her research on how workers actually experience the codes of conduct that brands require their suppliers to abide by. How does something intended to make garment factories a nicer place to work actually end up creating an extra time squeeze on the production floor? Thank you for listening to Manufactured. Support the show by following me on Instagram at manufactured underscore podcast or sign up for the bi-weekly newsletter at www.manufacturedpodcast.com for an overview of the latest episodes, articles I've recently published, and links to off-the-beaten-path reading. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can make a Patreon donation at www.manufacturedpodcast.com. Last but not least, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and hit subscribe. This helps other people find the show, and I'd really love your help with that.